0: Welcome to the Faith Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm Pastor Carrick Butler II. We believe today's message will empower you to make Jesus famous in every area of your life. Here's today's message.
1: I take eyes to see. I take ears to hear. I forgive everybody of everything. I receive supernatural debt cancellation. The word of God that I'm about to receive will enable me and empower me to make Jesus famous in my everyday life. Well, you may be seated. Open your Bibles with me to Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 12. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 12, getting back into the overflow series today. This first lady set it on fire last week. Did a wonderful job at both experiences and preaching on Saturday while she was 30 weeks pregnant, so. More power to her. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 12. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 12. And as always, you can follow along with my notes on the YouVersion Bible app. If you have the Bible app, you can go open it up. And under the more section, you can see events. You hit events, and you'll see the notes. It's Pentecost Sunday. You can save the notes and follow along with me or read them later. You can also get this message on our podcast later on this week. We put everything up on our podcast and on our website for free so you can grow in your faith because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So Deuteronomy chapter 28 verse 12 has been one of our foundational scriptures for the series. Since the Lord shall open unto you his good treasure, the heaven to give the rain unto your land in his season and to bless all the work of your hand. And you shall lend unto many nations and he shall not borrow. As we said before, that word treasure means treasure house or a storehouse. One version of the Bible calls it a well-stocked storehouse. Another version calls it sky vaults. A storehouse is where you keep abundance. It is a storage facility or a warehouse for what you cannot currently store in your house. God has a storehouse in heaven, and there are things there with your name on it. Say, God has a storehouse in heaven, and there are things there with my name on it. Go to Psalm 31. Psalm 31, verse 19, one of our other foundational scriptures for the series. Psalm 31, verse 19. Psalm 31 verse 19 says, oh, how great is thy goodness. As we said before, we can celebrate and praise all day long. Great is his goodness. God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. But that doesn't do this phrase justice enough because when you look at the definition from the Hebrew, from which the Old Testament is translated from, the word great means abounding, abundant, and exceedingly. Abounding, abundant, exceedingly. The word goodness means prosperity. Good things, property, supply, provision, good in the widest sense of the word, and good to the farthest extreme. So what it's saying is, oh, how great, abounding, abundant, exceedingly is your goodness, prosperity, good things, property, supply, provision, good in the widest sense of the word, and good to the farthest extreme, which you have laid up or reserved for them that reverence you. Now, i will be great. Well, God has put all this stuff in the storehouse, and he has reserved it and put my name on it. Well, that's not where the verse ends. But you have wrought for them that trust in you before the sons of men. So what's in the storehouse is not just supposed to stay up there, as you finally see it when you get to heaven. What's in that storehouse is meant for your life on the earth. This is far beyond just finances. This storehouse is stocked for with every good thing you can imagine, and that has been promised to you in the scripture. One of the quotes we've been saying during this series is from Amy Simple McPherson. She said, all Jesus is looking for is someone who can reach up in heaven by faith, feel around to the treasure chest of God, get out a treasure and bring it down here and give it to someone that can't get it on their own. One of the things God is looking for is for people to take what's in that storehouse and give it away to people on the earth. Because what happens if I'm taking what's in heaven and giving it away, I'm bringing heaven to earth. So let's go to Acts chapter 1. That's our review. So go to Acts chapter 1. And if you miss any of our messages in this series, I encourage you to get on our podcast or on our website. Acts chapter 1. And one of the things you can do is, if you're doing a road trip, this coming Memorial Day, holiday weekend, download a podcast and listen to it. Acts chapter 1, verse 1. The former treatise have I made O Theophilus of all that Jesus began both to do and teach unto the day in which he was taken up after that he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs being seen of them 40 days and speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God and being assembled together with them commanded that they should not depart from Jerusalem but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you have heard of me. Well, what promise? Go look at Luke chapter 24, verse 49. One of the things you understand when you study the Bible, Luke wrote the book of Luke and the book of Acts. So the book of Luke is part one. The book of Acts is part two. That's what it says when I'm the former letter I wrote. So you can go back to Luke chapter 24, verse 49 and see what he's talking about. And Jesus says, and behold. I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry or wait in the city of Jerusalem until you be in due with power from on high. Now, when I was looking at these words from the definitions, some things stuck out to me. That word send is a, from a Greek word, which means not just to send, but to send out on a mission. It's not like you're just randomly sending something out. You're sending this out with a specific mission. This word promise is defined as an announcement. For information, assent, or pledge, especially a divine assurance of good. And we know from context, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit has been sent on a mission. It's a mission filled with the goodness of God. The promise is a divine assurance of God's goodness. So he says, wait to receive this promise, this goodness, in Jerusalem. Until you be endued with power from on high. Now what does that word endued mean? Clothed. What do you study the context? They waited 10 days for the Holy Ghost to be given in this way. And it says wait in Jerusalem till I give you a new set of clothes. The Holy Ghost is going to come upon you and he's going to clothe you. So, Go back to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, verse 5. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Not many days hence. This word baptized means submerged, immersed to be fully soaked. So first first says you're going to be clothed. And he also adds you're going to be submerged, soaked in the Holy Ghost. Not just getting a little sprinkle, a little bit dab, a little bit rubbed on your forehead. You're going to be submerged in the Holy Ghost. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? Is this when the millennial reign's coming? Are you kicking Caesar out and becoming king? What's going on? And he said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons. When you look at the words times and seasons, it means a space of time and the set time. That the Father has put in his own power. That word power there means authority. He says, it's not for you to know. The set time and the space of time that the Father reserved for himself about when that's going to happen. So he says, there is going to be a space of time. And at the end of that space of time, there's a set time where I'm coming back. And all these things will begin. And eventually, the millennial reign will happen. And so, stop trying to guess what day Jesus come back. You don't know. You don't know. You're probably wrong. Now, some people are like, well, if I guess right, I might get a bonus prize. I can't see that in Scripture. Where the, Jesus said the Father has reserved that in His own authority. How long until Jesus comes back, and the set day when Jesus comes back? So Jesus, says, don't worry about those things. You can know the season, but you're not going to know how long, and you're not going to know the set day. We know we're getting closer every day. Why? Well, just practically, every day that goes by, you've already gone one day closer to the return of Jesus. So even it, well, He didn't come back last week, but now He's a week closer. But also, when you study the end times, which I do, you see certain things that point to the return of the Lord. Israel, being a nation, points to the return of the Lord. It's celebrating 70 years as a nation. It's pointing to Jesus is coming. But one of the things you study out when you study in end times, Israel is God's time clock on the earth. Jesus, if you want to know what season is, look at the fig tree, which is Israel. When you see things happening in there that are fulfilling scriptures in the Old Testament, things that Jesus said, you're knowing, huh, it's getting a little closer. So all that to say, Jesus said, don't worry about what the set day is or how long it's going to take. Here's what your focus should be on, verse 8. But you shall receive power. That word power is not the authority talked about before. It's supernatural miraculous force and the ability to do miracles. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the uttermost parts of the earth. He says, don't focus on how long it takes for me to come back. Don't focus on the day that I'm coming back. But here's where your focus needs to be on the Holy Ghost and the power he's going to give you. On the power he's going to clothe you with. On the power he's going to drench you with. You're going to go with power, but that's not just so you can have goosebumps. Ooh, I felt the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is not sent to give you goosebumps. Anything can give you goosebumps. The Holy Ghost is sent to give you power and send you out. He says, you'll be witnesses unto me. What are you giving witness? You're giving evidence that Jesus is alive. And Jerusalem and Judea, that's where they lived. And Samaria, Samaria, what's so big about Samaria? It's not too far away, but it's a different culture than them. It's a culture where they're opposed that the Samaritans didn't like the Jews and the Jews didn't like the Samaritans. Racial tension is nothing new. But he said, the Holy Ghost is going to come upon you, and I'm going to send you to some cultures that don't like you. Y'all just want to mmm on that one. (laughs) And unto the uttermost part of the earth. Notice the Holy Ghost coming upon you is not just so you have power for yourself. It's on you so that you make a difference. So you see it fulfilled in chapter 2. Let's go there. Chapter 2, verse 1. So Jesus ascends on high. And 10 days later is the day of Pentecost. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly, it came without warning. So there, you know, there are times you come to church, you already kind of sense the atmosphere. Oh, something's about to happen. If it's suddenly, there's really no awareness. Now they're having a prayer meeting. They've been meeting in prayer, but it's just been normal. But what was about to happen caught them all off guard. So there came a sound. And when I looked at the word sound, it means a loud sound, similar to a roar. So all of a sudden, a roar filled the room. There was no prior warning. It was all of a sudden, everything got loud real quick. From heaven. What did it sound like? As of a rushing mighty wind. Now, it didn't say it was a mighty wind or violent wind or like a hurricane. It said it sounded like it. Whatever happened, the atmosphere caused this loud roar to be released. It began to change everything because it began to appear above them cloven tongues as a fire. That just means divided flames, or distribution of flames appeared above them and sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. One translation said, What looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. The message verse says that these four scriptures, When the Feast of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Without warning, there was a sound like a strong wind, gale force. No one could tell where it came from. It filled the whole building. Then, like a wildfire, the Holy Spirit spread through their ranks, And they started speaking in a number of different languages as the Spirit prompted them. From heaven, God poured out his goodness as he sent the Holy Spirit on a heavenly mission. Now parts of his mission, Jesus told us in the book of John, he is sent on a mission as the comforter. We said that word means the counselor, the helper, the intercessor, the advocate, the strengthener, the standby, the encourager. From John 14, 16, to abide with us forever. John 16, 14 says he's been sent to glorify, to honor, to make Jesus famous. John 16, 8 through 11 says that he's been sent to convince and convict the world concerning sin. Notice the Holy Ghost is sent to convict the world, not you. It's not your job to convict people because you can't. That's the Holy Ghost's job. Your job is to love people and say the word in love and let the Holy Ghost do it. To convince and convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and divine justice or judgment. John 14, 26 and 27 says he's been sent to teach us all things and bring the Word of God to our memory. John 16, 13 says he's been sent to show us things to come. Now the thing is when we think about the Holy Ghost coming upon people and the baptism of the Spirit and people being filled with the Spirit, we think, oh, this is only a New Testament thing. But you have to understand being filled with the Spirit is in the Old Testament as well. It's not a new concept in the New Testament. But you see it under the Old Covenant. Now, there are some unique things about how it manifests in the New Testament, especially where tongues are concerned. But in the Old Covenant, you see what was before in the foundation. Now, when you study the Old Testament and the Old Covenant, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, will come upon four groups of people. Prophets, priests, kings, and others who had special assignments like judges and others. And they were on them for a limited time in a limited fashion. Special assignment to do something from God. But what God wanted to do under the new covenant was far greater. But to understand the importance of what he did in the new covenant, you have to see what was the old one. So go to Numbers chapter 11. Numbers chapter 11, verse 25. Numbers chapter 11, verse 25. Moses and God have been having a conversation. This is too much. The people you gave me is too much. About to kill myself. Or are they about to kill me? And he's talking about the weight of his assignment was too heavy. And God said, I'll take what's on you and give it to 70 others too. What does it let you know? The anointing that you have is already more than enough than what you're facing. What was on Moses was so strong that God could take what was on Moses and give it to 70 others without diminishing what was on Moses. So before you think this is too much for me, realize what's on you right now is already greater than anything you're facing in your life. And if you run into something that's greater than what's on you, God will put something extra on you. Some of you call that. Numbers eleven twenty-five. 25, And the Lord came down in the cloud and spake unto him and took the spirit that was upon him and gave it unto the 70 elders. And it came to pass that when the spirit rested upon them, they prophesied and did not cease. But there remained two of the men in the camp. The name of one was Eldad and the name of the other was Medad. You say, oh, Bible people have really weird names. Well, today we got really weird names. So <laughs> we judge people in the Bible. I'm sure they're in heaven going, what's that person's name? We'll have all good time when we get to heaven and we try to learn each other's names. <laughs> and the Spirit rested upon them. And they were of them. that were written, but they went not out to the tabernacle. They prophesied in the camp. And there ran a young man and told Moses and said, Elda and that do prophesy in the camp. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of Moses, one of his young men answered and said, My Lord Moses, forbid them, stop them from prophesying in the camp. Notice what Moses said unto them. Are you jealous for my sake because of me? I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on all of them. So what did Moses want? He says, I wish every single person that belonged to God had his spirit on him like it's on me. That's what Moses wanted. I wish God did this for everybody. All million of y'all that are getting on my nerves right now, y'all need the Holy Ghost. (laughs) Maybe y'all would have started sacrificing the cows if he had the Holy Ghost. So Moses' desire, this great prophet of God, I wish everybody that belonged to God had his spirit. Now, go to 1 Samuel chapter 10. 1 Samuel chapter 10. So we see what Moses wanted. Where the Holy Spirit coming upon people is not a new concept. You see it on Moses. You see it on people around him. You see it on the the judges. Now you get to the prophet Samuel who's anointed. And he's ministering to Saul before he's king. Saul was who God chose. Now he had some personal issues. We all got personal issues. How many, how many you got personal issues? I thought so. But notice what Samuel told Saul about his issues. Verse 6. And the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you, and you shall prophesy with them and shall be turned into another man. So Samuel's operating as a prophet, saying this is what's about to happen, this is what God's going to do. You can see this, that, and the other. Here's the signs that, you know, God's about to bring you to pass and you're gonna run into these bunch of prophets. Now remember, only the prophets and a few others had the Holy Spirit on them. So he says, you're gonna run into some people that got the Holy Spirit. You're gonna get around him, get around them, and he's gonna come on you too. And you're gonna prophesy just like the rest of them. And the result is you're going to be a new man. The assignment that you're about to take on requires some change on the inside of you. But you can't do it By yourself, you're going to need the spirit of God. So when you get around these spirit-filled people, what they got is going to rub off on you. And it was so, verse 9, that when he turned his back to go from Samuel, God gave him another heart. As soon as he turned around, he was a different person. Y'all keep thinking, it does not take so long for me to become this person. It does not take so long for my spouse to change. It wasn't going to take so long for my children to change. It may just take as long for them to turn around and the Holy Ghost grabs a hold of them. <laughs> Stop telling God it's going to have to take 30 years. It's going to take 40 years. It just takes one encounter with the Holy Ghost. You get strong enough encounters with the Holy Ghost, it marks you for the rest of your life. Jacob wrestled with Jesus. And he had to walk different the rest of his life. He walked differently because he had one encounter with God. It should mark you for the rest of your life. Amen. So he goes and he runs into these prophets. Verse 10, it says, And the Spirit of God came upon him, and he prophesied among them. And it came to pass when all that knew him before time saw that, behold, he prophesied among the prophets. Then the people said one to another, What is this that's come upon the son of Kish? It Saul also among the prophets? The New Living Translation says, what, is even Saul a prophet? How did the son of Kish become a prophet? And one of those standing there said, can anyone become a prophet no matter who his father is? So that is the origin of the saying, is even Saul a prophet? Notice Saul's transformed. But notice what, what the people were amazed by. Saul, not a prophet, or from a prophet's family, was displaying the evidence of the Spirit of God on his life. The Spirit of God came upon them, and it was not because he had the right spiritual pedigree. So, and they're thinking the only way the Holy Spirit can come upon people is because they came from a priestly family or they came from prophets. That's the only way, these are the only ways these people can have the Holy Spirit. If you're in that family. But now it becomes a slogan. Is Saul a prophet? Can anybody become a prophet these days? Notice it wasn't the office of the prophet thereafter. It's the Holy Spirit. Because back then, the only way people could hear from God is they would have to go to the priest or the prophet who was called a seer. Why? They had the Holy Spirit. David had a unique perspective. After he sinned with Bathsheba and killed Uriah and tried to cover it up, Nathan the prophet went and said, called him out. And so Psalm 51, he writes in response as he's repenting. Verse 1 says, have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Verse 10, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Notice David's main concern. Yeah, I messed up. Yeah, I sinned. I sinned big. Forgive me, but no matter what you do, don't take the Holy Spirit from me. Notice David's main concern. I need the Holy Ghost. I'm king over this people. The only way I've made it so far is because you gave me your spirit. How did David conquer Goliath? Remember, Samuel anointed him when he was a teenager. And it says the spirit of God came upon him. Then he killed a lion. He killed a bear. Then he took down Goliath. And everywhere he went, the Lord was with him. Why? The Holy Spirit was upon him. So now he messes up big. And his one cry is, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. He's been with me since I am a teenager. He's been my best friend. Please don't take him from me. I know I messed up. But don't take your Spirit from me. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't have the Holy Spirit it reminds me of Catherine Corman in her meetings. She would be up ministering, and someone would do something to disrupt the flow of the spirit, and she just began to weep. She would begin to cry and says, please don't grieve the Holy Ghost. He's my friend. He's all I've got. I can't do anything if he's not here. He's like, please, 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 whatever you do, don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Why? He was precious to her. He was precious to David. As we covered in March in Ecclesiastes 4, even Solomon saw the need for the people of God to have the comforter. The Holy Spirit with them, giving them the power to overcome the darkness in the earth. I just noticed as I talked about the Holy Spirit being precious, he just got in here even stronger. Go to Exodus 31. It's like, Why do He call that out? Anytime he does that, I acknowledge him. What happens when you acknowledge him? He comes even stronger. Exodus 31. Catherine Kuhlman will also say there's so much more for us if we would just learn how to cooperate with the Holy Ghost. Exodus 31, verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, See, I have called Bezalel the son of Uri, the son of Hur of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, and in knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship. Bezalel or Bezalel, depending on what translation of Scripture, is the first mention of a spirit filled man in Scripture. Bezalel is the first mention of a spirit filled man in Scripture. As such, He is a type and foreshadowing of the Spirit-filled church. Bezalel is a type and a foreshadowing of the Spirit-filled church. He was filled with the Spirit of God and as a result had wisdom, understanding, and knowledge when it came to creativity and building. What is he going to build? The tabernacle. Everything that's in the tabernacle in the wilderness. Based on a pattern Moses received from heaven. When Moses was on that mountain, you read in Hebrews chapter eight, verse five. God showed him what was in heaven, and gave him the pattern and the exact measurements to build on earth. Hebrews eight five says what was built in the tabernacle was just a shadow and a type of what's in heaven. So Moses saw heaven. He had the plan from heaven, the measurements from heaven. He had the pattern. But it was up to the spirit-filled man, Bezalel to bring that pattern to the natural. So what was one of the assignments of the first spirit-filled man? To bring heaven to earth. He's a foreshadowing type of the church. So that lets me know the spirit-filled Christian's assignment is to bring heaven to earth. You have to realize heaven is a real place. Don't think of some spiritual concept everywhere, up there somewhere, and people just sitting on the clouds and eating grapes and playing harps. It is a real place. There are people there living their lives, eternalized, but they're living there. I remember when I was ministering in Argentina, the first or second time I was down there, and it was a business mission trip, and an architect came up for prayer, and I began to pray over him, and something came out of my spirit and never prayed before. I said, Father, show him the designs of the buildings in heaven, and let him bring it to earth. And that's what I began to thought about. Yeah, there are buildings in heaven. Read the book of Revelation, the skyscrapers. Huge. There's designs in heaven that God wants you to put on earth. And it's the job of spirit-filled people to do it. Go to Acts chapter 2 again. Spirit-filled people are uniquely equipped and designed to bring heaven. To earth. You have to realize that's been God's plan the whole time. When you walk with Adam and Eve in the garden. When you even look at the word Jerusalem. In Hebrew it's Yerushalayim. I am in Hebrew is always plural. So when you say the word Jerusalem, you're referring to earthly Jerusalem and heavenly Jerusalem. There is a heavenly Jerusalem as you read the book of Revelation, you see in the book of Hebrews. And at the end, heavenly Jerusalem is going to sit right above earthly Jerusalem. Why? You read the end of the book of Revelation, God's final plan is coming back. He's moving from heaven to earth. That's been his plan the whole time, to move in with his kids. Everything he's done. I want to live on the inside of you, I want to rest upon you, and I want to hang out with you. I'm moving my home, my temple, right there in the middle of everything. That's been his whole plan the whole time. And in this age of grace, for this world to experience heaven on earth, and he's a spirit-filled Christian. What the world needs now is Holy Ghost-filled people. Because the world does not know what to do. They can argue in Congress on both sides, and both sides are confused. Neither of the parties know what to do. You can look in confusion in all three branches of government. They don't know what to do. Reporters don't know what to do media doesn't know what to do. But the Holy Ghost-filled Christian must tell them what to do. So when the day of Pentecost, the Holy Ghost came. They were filled with the Holy Ghost, began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And it says, as they were dwelling there, because of the day of Pentecost, Jews from all around the world came. And they spoke 10 to 15 different languages because they came from the Middle East. They came from Europe. They came from Africa. They've all gathered. And there's this loud noise... And then after that, they hear these group of people speaking in multiple languages. It says in verse 11, the wonderful works of God. And they were all amazed and were in doubt saying to one another, what means this? Big sound, all of a sudden, there's all these languages, at least 10 to 15 people praising God and talking about the wonderful things he does. Others mocking said, These men are full of new wine. Now the thing is, if you start speaking multiple languages, people aren't going to think you're drunk. They must think you're smart. But the only way people are going to think you're drunk is if you're exhibiting signs of drunkenness. If they were just loud and began to talk in multiple languages, God's been good, no one's going to think you're drunk. But if you're stumbling around, falling a little bit, can't walk in a straight line, laughing, Crying hysterically, oh, they drunk. Peter stood up and says, these people aren't drunk as you suppose. Meaning, I didn't say they're not drunk. They're just not drunk in the way you're thinking about. And he says, it's only 9 a.m. Back then, I guess people didn't get drunk at 9 a.m., but this is a new day. (laughs) But he says, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Job. It shall come to pass in the last day, says God. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And all my servants and all my handmaidens, I'll pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Simply prophesying is speaking by divine inspiration and giving a supernatural message in a known language. Now, those gathered from around the world did not hear tongues, even though the, the 120 were speaking in tongues. A supernatural move of the Spirit took place where all of those gathered understood them in their own native language. According to this chapter, that can be anywhere from 10 to 15 languages at least. What were they saying? They were declaring all the wonderful things of God. And they started acting drunk. They're filled with joy. They're happy because you can't get a sad Holy Ghost. You get the Holy Ghost, you're not a sad drunk. He's going to cause you to smile. Remember, you already heard Minister Dathan exhort in song, talk about the fruit of the Spirit called joy. Who put it in there? The Holy Ghost. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And so they're filled to overflowing with the Holy Ghost and become drunk in the Spirit on the day of Pentecost. But notice what Peter preaches from what Joel said. He said, sons and daughters, servants and handmaidens, young and old. What does that let me know? It doesn't matter your background, pedigree, station life, or age. The Holy Spirit has come to rest on everybody. So whether you come from the right family or the wrong family, whether you are old, whether you are young, whether you are in ministry or you're not in ministry, the Holy Ghost came to sit on everybody, to clothe everybody with power, to give them power to overcome the darkness in this world, and to fill them with strength and joy. So you can't say, I can't bring heaven to earth, I haven't been to this school, I haven't done this, I don't have this. My question to you is, do you have the Holy Ghost? And if you have the Holy Ghost, what can't you do? He is the greater one. The greater one's on the inside of you. That makes you greater than anything you're facing in your life. Because I'm saying, I can't handle this problem. Yeah, by yourself, you can't. But with the Holy Ghost, you can So as Jesus promised, he was sent to leave with us, live with us forever. So David's concerned that when I mess up, he'll leave me. You don't have to be concerned about because Jesus said he's going to be with you forever. The answer Solomon saw it was needed has finally come. What Moses desired that all God's people would have the Holy Ghost has finally happened. That's why we see 1 Corinthians 2. His eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard, his entered the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those that love him. But God has revealed them to us by his spirit. One of the jobs of the Holy Ghost is to reveal things to you. And to reveal things that are in that heavenly storehouse. Because when you keep reading chapter 2, it says that we might know what's given to us. All the things that are given freely by God. Not going to get, but God's already given. Sometimes we're not walking in things because we don't know they're there. But if you walk with the Holy Spirit, he'll show you where they are. And show you how to access things in heaven and bring them to earth. Because it's the job of the Spirit-filled Christian to bring heaven to earth. Jesus said in John 16, he'll show you everything I got. Everything I got the Father gave me. And I gave it to you. The job of the Holy Spirit is to reveal things to you. So you have to understand that you're meant for more than you see. Because being full of the Holy Ghost. And setting out on a path to bring heaven to earth will be met with resistance. Satan doesn't want heaven on earth. He wants hell on earth. But if you make a decision, I'm bringing heaven to earth because I'm full of the Holy Ghost, he will come to resist you. When Jesus was baptized, it says Luke 4-1, he was full of the Holy Ghost. Satan came against him 40 days, tempting him, but lost. Why? He didn't want what Jesus had to get out. So his whole plan was, let me just kill him, and we're done with this. But Jesus said, if I die, I'm just a seed. I'm going to get back up and bring more people with me. See, Satan's worst nightmare was Jesus. Then it multiplied on the day of Pentecost, and then there's 120 people that got the Holy Ghost, just like Jesus got the Holy Ghost. And now he's terrified that Peter starts preaching And 3,000 people get saved. And then they get the Holy Ghost. Satan is having the worst day of his existence. He had just recovered 50 days ago from the whooping Jesus gave him. But all of a sudden, here is 3,120 people that got the Spirit of God just like Jesus. And he's not on them for a moment. He lifts on them and rests upon them. He says, I ain't going nowhere. And it keeps multiplying. It keeps multiplying. It keeps multiplying. See, the thing is... The places you go, they may be dark, but that's why you're there. It you may be full of the devil, but that's why you're there. The greater one in you is greater than all the demons put together. That's so what Paul says in Philippians 1, don't even flinch in the face of your enemy. Because if you don't flinch, they know their destruction is ahead of them. Don't be afraid of the devil. We ain't even in your class. You've got to be full of the Holy Ghost. To handle the challenges of 2018 and beyond, you have to be full of the Holy Ghost. You can't just be full of the Spirit at church. It's great to be full of the Spirit at church, but you need it when you leave this building. You need it when you go home. You need it when you go to work. You need it when you go to school. You need the Holy Ghost. And not just have the Holy Ghost, but be filled with him. Ephesians 5 says, be being filled. That means stay full. Why? You leak. You pour out, which means you have to be in a place where you're continually being filled. When you look at it, you can see on my notes, I'm not going to get there for the sake of time. There are times when believers gather together, and they're praying, and all of a sudden the Holy Ghost fell on them, and they're all filled with the Spirit again. So I thought they were filled with what in Acts chapter 2? Yeah. There's one baptism, but there's many refillings. You keep going, Peter's preaching at Cornelius' house, and as he's talking, the Holy Ghost likes the message somewhere. some like, Peter, that's a great message and all, but I got something I want to do. And he falls on all of them, and they were Gentiles. The Jews thought, well, the gift is just for us. Then they realized, oh, sons and daughters, handmaid and servants, everybody. That includes the Gentiles. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And Peter got back in Acts chapter 11 and says, hey, he fell on them just like he fell on us. The Holy Ghost wants to fall on some people. He wants you to leave this place filled with the Spirit, ready to take on your week, ready to handle any challenge. But your feeling can only be at church. You got to learn how to go every day and spend some time praying in the Holy Ghost. Because that's when you pray in the Holy Ghost, when you pray in other tongues, you edify, you build, you charge yourself up. So you can stay full of the Spirit if you walk with them and you pray in tongues on a daily basis. We don't have time for being half-spirit people. we got to be Holy Ghost people. And it doesn't mean you're spooky. It means you've got power. What's the difference of spooky people and spiritual people? The power. Spooky people are just weird. Spiritual people, some of them may be eccentric, but if they got power, we can look past the eccentricities and get to the power. And it's not just supposed to be the pastor that's got power. It's not supposed to be the pastor to lay hands on the sick. It's supposed to be you too. You have the same Holy Ghost. But what will you do with him? It's your job to bring heaven to earth in your home, in your neighborhood, at your kids' school, at the place where you work. We said on Wednesday night, when you walk into a place, it should change. Because what's in you is weightier than what's around you. But the only way it gets weighed is if you spend time with God. And you spend time in prayer. That's why Jesus went into places and demons would cry out. Because they they sensed him. One church says they smelled him. Because there's a scent, a fragrant aroma that comes from believers that walk with God. Why? If someone fries chicken when you go home today. (laughs) And you leave that room, the scent and the aroma of the fried chicken is going with you. In the spirit, when you spend time like that with God, you walk in places and the sin of God goes with you. That you walk in a place and demons smell you. So don't be concerned people start twitching when you walk in the room. Just know the demon is giving you a salute. We know who you are. Stop being worried about the devil. You got the Holy Ghost. You have to be filled to overflowing with the Holy Ghost. So when you walk in places, oh, it's going to change. Well, how do you know that? I'm here. And I brought someone with me. And some reinforcements. I got some angels with me. You can't see them. Don't worry about it, but they're here. And if I stay here long enough, everything in this room is about to change. See, I studied after Catherine Coleman. She'll come from meetings. Where the Holy Ghost moves strongly. Like you watch some of her videos and you'll notice there's a weird noise in the background A soft hum. It was in all her meetings. It was a manifestation of the glory of God that affected what people heard. She left one of her meetings one time. And she's just quietly in her own world. Going through restaurants all loud. And all of a sudden it gets quiet. She looks around. Everybody fell out. Saint and sinner. She shrugged and kept going. Why? He walked in such a place. I remember when I was in Argentina, the pastor of the church, Claudio Freza. I learned a lot from him. And when we were in the school of ministry in Pistis, what used to be called BTC, and one of the charismatic history books, he was in the book. And I didn't realize that. I was like, oh, the guy they talked about in history is the guy I met in Argentina. The pastor of the largest church there. And when he walked in the room, it was just strange. We were out. We were there. It was been a marvelous week. We saw the miracles of God. Enjoying our lunch. And he's walked in the room. And everything's changed. A minute later, oh, there's people laying on the ground. My sandwiches don't matter anymore because God just walked in with him. That should be you. God goes with me wherever I go. If I'm going to the mall, God's going to the mall. If I go to the store, God goes to the store. If I'm going to school, God goes to school. If I'm going to work, God's going. We're not waiting on a move of God. We are a move of God. You have the Holy Ghost, so stay filled with him. Change your world by bringing heaven to earth.
0: I hope you enjoyed today's message. We never want to close a broadcast without giving you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. So if you've never asked him into your heart, you've never made him your Lord and Savior, pray this prayer with me today and mean it from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe That Jesus is your son. I believe that he died for me, but on the third day, you raised him from the dead. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me now. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your spirit and help me to live this Christian life. If you prayed that prayer and meant it from your heart, we believe you've been born again. We ask that you email us at info at FCCGA.com. That's FCCGA.com to let us know about the decision you've made for Christ today.